Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure I direct your attention... Welcome back to The Think Tank, a podcast for life's deeper conversations. Hosted by Ethan Finn and Chase Sanchez, they dive into some of the most compelling topics. Join them as they go deep into The Think Tank. Welcome back to Think Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Um, no episode last week. Uh, had a little a little bit of a break there, uh, but we're back with Zebi and Eliana for part two of our episode. Um Last time we got a little cut short, but we're going to finish it up today. Um, got some more to talk about. So welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you. How was your weekend? How was your week? What happened? It was good. We both went home this weekend. Separate. Well, yeah, Texas and Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. How'd that go? I mean, Texas was pretty nice. Uh, the weather was nice and hot. It was like oh, yeah. 95. Kind of love it. And humid. And then like coming back here, it was like terrible. It's so cold here, <laughs> and uh, and then I got to see some some friends from high school. Some of them I was glad to see. Some of them, not so much. Um, but for the most part, it was a really good trip. Uh, I got to spend some time with my parents. Um, didn't see my brother at all. Oh, like dang. he was in town oh. and home. What? Didn't you see him all the time. How does that happen? So sad. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just didn't see him. That's funny. That's funny. How was your weekend? It was good. It was not as cold as I thought it was going to be. Usually Pennsylvania gets cold pretty quick, but it was colder here. But the leaves were so pretty because it was like peak fall foliage. So that was really good and catching up with friends and family. So I had a really great weekend, but it was also a lot shorter because it's a long travel day for me. So I got home like Friday afternoon, had like the evening all of saturday and then came back sunday morning so it was short but it was really good yeah that's good good stuff how was your weekend what'd you say how was your weekend <clears throat> my weekend was good it was low-key we didn't do much I, I i got homework done and we watched a lot of outer banks with the boys and we went to volleyball games and we just kind of hung out it was it was kind of nice but it was also lonely because it seemed like a lot of people were gone last weekend a lot so of people left yeah. Like your like entire room was gone. Yeah. So there was like nobody here. Uh-huh. But... There was like three of us gone. Yeah. I think. <laughs> or four. Yeah. So that's also for everyone out there. That's part of the reason why we didn't get an episode out. It's because we were gonna do this one last week, but scheduling. And so we're all gone. <laughs> here we are today. Um. So yeah, tell me about Texas. How did that go? Um. So yeah, it was it was a pretty like it was good to go back. I was excited. Um, it made me realize that like I'm happy to be here though. Mm. So that was pretty good. Uh, some of the people as well made me more grateful for the people here as well it was some of the some of like my not so Christian friends from high school I hung out with them just because like I was it's good to see them you know yeah and for the most part they were just so like immature and just like tiring to be around (laughs) like I didn't know like like they just like brought high school drama with them to college Oh, and like yeah. they were talking about like people who like I haven't heard their name since like sophomore year. I was like, dude, that guy has no relevancy to your life. <laughs> Why are you talking trash about him? Yeah. Like talk about like anything else. Like tell me how your college experience has been for like the first 
too much. Like right. that's what I care about. I exactly. Don't care yeah. about your stupid high school drama. Like it was it was just frustrating to be around. And I'm glad that that's not as prevalent here. Cause like I'm assuming that like if I went to a school like OU or Arkansas, um, then it would be kind of more like that. And with more people that I know going to those schools, I'm glad that like I'm distanced from them. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it, it's been not, like, I miss my friends, but it's been nice to be away from some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, like, especially, especially in high school and like when it came to like relationships, like I was just looking for like the wrong things and even friendships and everything. And like, since being here, I've just like had a completely different mindset on, on like what I like to talk about and like mm-hmm. who I like to be around and that kind of thing. And sometimes I still talk to my old friends and like they're still talking about the same stuff we did when we were 15, 16 yeah. and like still like focused on the wrong things. And I'm like, like it's sad. Like my heart hurts for them because you know, they're, they're focused on like getting drunk on a Friday night and like, you know, how many girls they can talk to at once. And like, I'm just like, dude, like why? Like you're wasting your life. You're literally wasting your life away. So yeah. like, I always like, like to like wonder about like what they're, what they're going to be like whenever they're like 25. Oh yeah. Like I wonder if like, like, cause their current trajectory, their life would be miserable. But I wonder like when the, when the switch is going to happen and they're kind of going to like realize cause like I've thought like that since like freshman year of high school and I've always been like, Oh yeah, yeah, like like once we get to college, like people will like mm-hmm. get it together. They haven't. And like they're just yeah, continuing their sad. high school lives. It's sad. It's just, or they you know, they peak in high school and they they're just like talking about like how, you know, they were like star football player. And I was like, dude, that was like ten years ago. Like, <laughs> what are you doing now? Like, do you have a job? <laughs> so that's honestly too bad, but um yeah, I've definitely seen I've definitely seen a shift. I think for the most part, people here are are not like that. There's a few. I mean, there's definitely a few. I could name a few, um, but I think it's good. At least the people we surround ourselves with don't seem to be like that. So it's been refreshing, to be honest. I feel like I had a little bit of a different experience. My best friends from home that I got to see this past weekend, um, out of all the ones that came home, because. I think three of them came home and two of them surprised me. I had no idea they were coming. Oh, that's so it was so fun. Um, but none of them go to a Christian school. Um, but they're pretty drama free, um, which nice. made me really like it was kind of hard coming back home just because once I spent like a day and a half with them, it made me like really miss them um, coming back here just because um, genuine relationships like that take time and there's really nothing you can do about that. You come to college and you meet amazing people, but that type of bond only happens through time and through experience and honestly through experiencing hardship together. Yeah, for um, sure. So it made me really sad actually to leave them. I had a great time with them, but I went through a lot of like friend group shifts in high school, just sort of weeding out drama. Um, and so the people that I finished high school with were like really solid friends. So that was a little bit different for me just where I left high school, but it definitely was not solid like that the whole time. But senior year was like really good with them. Yeah. Honestly, like like, I do want to make the clarification because those aren't like all my friends. My closest friends are very good. (laughs) Like my closest friends from home, I, I 
will call and I talk to them and, and yeah. it's not like yeah. that. But you know, I, like I played basketball and I had other friends who were not yeah. right, right, right. a part of that group. And so just like seeing their, like not even hearing their stories. Cause I don't talk to all of them, but like just seeing what they're doing with their lives, like on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, uh, it's just, yeah. it's kind of embarrassing. Instagram's, it's a little bit of, cause Instagram I'm like, says a lot. <laughs> it really does. It, it's, it's like, you know, it might be fun right now, but just wait, wait till you graduate college. If you graduate college, because <laughs> the real world is not as, uh, is not as like carefree or like allowing of like this type of behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not rewarding, I guess is what I'm saying. Also, a lot of bosses do their research on the things that you posted on social media. And I don't yeah. know, that's something interesting to keep in mind with like parties and the things that are in the pictures. A lot of future employers will go back and look at that. That's what my dad said. He'll go on social media and yeah. see if he can see anything for employees and which used know. to scare me, but then, but now I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, what are you gonna? You're just gonna find like pictures of my graduation or something? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not even that bad. But. That's actually why I have no posts. <laughs> Terrified. There you go. There you go. If you have no posts, I'll never catch you. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> my future employer is gonna like look back like episode one of the podcast and be like this like, guy wants to smoke right. weed <laughs> yeah. 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 he wants to get tattoos him. and smoke weed he's not our candidate we're not like it we don't like it <laughs> that's hilarious you know what? i was actually thinking about this all week um particularly what you were saying about like bible classes in college and going to my new testament class all week i was like man this really is a waste of time like an absolute complete waste of time because um I mean, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I just, it's, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's like, it's just kind of weird. It's just a weird way to go about scripture. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really know what to do with it because like I see benefits to it, but then at the same time, I'm like, you're also not really, I mean, you're just cultivating memorization. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you want to go with that, but yeah, it's I, like, I mean, it, it's, it's weird because I was thinking about it since the podcast last week we were talking about like lukewarm Christianity and I was thinking and based on like my perception of lukewarm Christianity we don't really have that here because mm. whenever I hear lukewarm Christianity I think of like first John where it's like you say you're living in the light but you're walking in darkness and I really don't see that here I see more of it as like impersonal faith like it's really like just like you don't really have like that whole like relationship side very well and like sure you know a lot and like you're very smart and capable of knowing a lot smarter smarter than me for sure a lot of the people in some of my classes are and yet like they almost seem like they're like trying too hard to like intellectually comprehend god more so than like developing that relationship which is good and like it says like love the lord your god with all your with all your mind like that's part of it but they like overemphasize it and they just like almost like don't treat it like it's a personal thing it's just kind of something to it's just almost like a concept to understand rather than like a relationship dang yeah Yeah, i totally agree and it kind of reminds me of my apologetics class in high school which was actually really good um in a lot of ways but to me college kind of feels like one whole apologetics thing you know first peter 315 says like be prepared to um give a defense of your faith for all those who ask, like, what the source of joy or your source of hope, something like that. Um, 
And he so, doesn't know where scripture is. <laughs> you can go look. Lukewarm, impersonal faith. That's the gist of it. You know what I mean? I've read like three different translations because high school is ESV. Here's a lot of NIV. It mm. gets jumbled. But, um, you know, being able to prepare that defense, a lot of people focus on that. It's like, okay, academically, how can I be able to defend my faith? Um, how can I scripturally point to why I believe this? Um, but people kind of forget the part of it that says the reason for your hope, the part that makes it personal and saying, you know, this should also be an example of your personal testimony saying, this is the hope that Jesus has given me. Um, this is how he's changed my life. It's not all about just pointing to scripture and saying, this is why I believe what I believe, which is really important, but it should also be backed by personal testimony and also by people seeing your life and being able to see Jesus through you. It's not about just being able to recite things because a lot of people aren't really open to that conversation right after the bat. More people want to be able to see something different in your, in your life and say, I want what that person has. And when they see that difference in your life, then it opens the door for conversation. But you can't just go up to someone and be like, I'm a Christian, this is why, bam, 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 mm -hmm. you should believe it too. Mm -hmm. They have to see witness and see Jesus in your life before they're often willing to have a conversation about that, which is why it's so important to not just focus on the apologetic side of being able to give that defense without the side of, you know, this is the hope that I truly feel. Definitely. Now I've noticed that too. Um, just like I, I really got into like apologetics and stuff probably early high school and to a point even, and I'll, I'll just say this. I, sometimes I like to go on YouTube and like, look at those like <laughs> hour and a half long debates between like Richard Dawkins and like some Christian philosopher mm -hmm. yeah. and just like try and pick out like what I can get. That's like valuable information. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I haven't heard that. I would do that too. And I just think we it's kind of fascinating to see these like two really smart people try to debate theology. But then, you know, I've noticed that like for most of my friends or people that I've interacted with who are atheists, that's not like what they're looking for. Like exactly. they don't, they don't care at least primarily like how I can defend my faith, but rather, you know, how I can sort of like correct some of the, the, the preconceived notions about Christianity. Mm -hmm. Like I have a friend and he's, um, he's gay and he's not, he's not, he's definitely an atheist, not Christian at all. Um, and, and like for me to, to try and tell him like, Oh, here's concrete evidence of Jesus. Like that's not going to help him with his battle with Christianity, but rather like showing him the love of God and like that Christianity is actually a lot of love and a lot of grace. And that's like mm -hmm. the prime, that's like, you know, a huge chunk of it. Like that's what I need to show him. Not, you know, here's how many verses I can read. And like, here's archeological evidence of, of Jericho's walls falling down. Like that's not like, it's just a different battle. And I've noticed that with many atheists in my life that, you know, showing them love and grace and like demonstrating how that's exhibited in the Bible is far more important than at least, at least to start, mm -hmm. you know, is more important than yeah. trying to just sway them with evidence. Yeah. Cause I went to this thing called summit ministries, which is like a two week camp thing. Like it's pretty apologetically centered. And after that, like that was like right before senior year. So, like, I went into senior year just like, yes, like, I have all this information. And then two weeks in, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I was like, this, this is, this, yeah. like, no one's going to care. No one's going right. to care. Right. Like, I'm not going to be, like, sitting at a lunch table and being like, this is why. <laughs> like, that, that's not exactly. realistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, like, so it kind of was the shift to, like, all right, you got to, like, you got to, like, act like it. And you got to, you got to love people and you got to invest in those relationships. And people, like, people saw it. Like I had a lot of unbelievers who came up to me and were like, like you're different because like 
the other Christian kids, like, they just, like, judge me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, like, you doubt. And anytime someone would say that, it would kind of, like, it would always, like, make me emotional just because of, like, the state of our current, like, the at least in my high school, the, like, judgy, um, like, label that a lot of the Christians had. Which, unfortunately, a lot of times they were right mm-hmm. about yeah. it. But it just, it still, like, hurt. So they'd be like, I was, like, one of the few, which it just shouldn't be the case at all. Yeah. Yeah, a big thing is, I think people see Christianity as a list of rules, and then we think we're holier than thou, and mm. we try to apply our rules to other people's lives. And honestly, one of the pioneering ways to display your faith and to bring people to Christ is to just show that it's not a list of rules and it's not about pointing people and saying you're not living up to our standards because the most real thing about Christianity is that we're all broken, we're all sinners, and we're not walking around saying we're not. I think people tend to give off that impression saying that like, you know, we we don't do this, we don't do that, and therefore we're better than you because of this. And that's like not the reality of Christianity at all. It's just that we diff- we struggle with different things, and some of them are easier to hide. And so, if people act like they're holier than thou, they're just hiding the things that they're struggling with. And a lot of non-Christians fail to see the part where, like, we true Christians <laughs> um, who genuinely want to spread the gospel recognize our faults. And I'll have conversations with my non-Christian friends about, like, hey, this is where I struggle. You probably don't see it, and. Um, I don't struggle with the same things as the next person, but this is where I struggle. But just because I struggle doesn't mean I can't, you know, be saved. Because I think sometimes people say like, oh, I would never want to give all that up. I'm too far gone, like that type of thing. Like, it would be too hard for me to be saved. I'm not Christian. I don't have that aura, you know, about me. I just, you know, I'm not spiritual. And that's the thing, like, none of us are spiritual enough for Jesus. But that's the whole point is that we need Jesus because we're not spiritual enough and because we aren't perfect and every single one of us has things that we struggle with regardless of if it's external or internal you know that's the thing is you need to be real with people and say like Christianity isn't about changing your life and becoming perfect it's just about finding a source of strength to help you through those things rather than just basing that on your own strength yeah and that's always I feel like that's kind of been I mean, I don't really struggle with that so much anymore, but when I was first really like the way my, my brain is very much oriented into like logical thinking and like evidence-based and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, like that's always been a fascination of mine is trying to prove God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because I'm very legalistic in that way, um, like it's, so it, it has been hard for me to sometimes like show more of the grace, right? Cause it's that tension, mm-hmm. grace and truth. And like, I very much lean more into truth. Um, but I came from a church like growing up that was very much, it was a big church. It was a mega church. And it was very much a, um, it was very much a, an all grace and no truth type of church mm-hmm. to where they wouldn't even talk about any of the things that are important. You know, they would never mention, you know, things in the Bible that are pretty much foundational to your salvation, but they just didn't want to talk about it cause it was controversial or whatever. And so coming from that experience, it just kind of added on to the whole, like, okay, I need to be very, I need to be way more truth oriented. Um, so that was like a struggle for me, I think kind of in the middle of high school, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely like a balance and you have to, 
you have to do both because, you know, yes, you know, as Christians, we're held to a higher standard, but we should not be holding those outside of Christianity to the same standard, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I forget if it's in Second Corinthians or Galatians where, you know, Paul says, you know, you should not be judging non-Christians the same way that you judge Christians because we don't adhere to the same law. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and so it's like you should be more critical of other Christians and how they live. You're talking about like people at your high school, like those Christians, those Christians, I put that in quotes, you know, that are like yeah. just being awful people. Like those are the people that we should be holding accountable, mm-hmm. not the atheists mm-hmm. who are distant from God because they don't know any better. So yeah. <laughs> we, we, were, we were just talking about that in class too. Um, but we did Corinthians and Galatians in the same day. So oh, yeah. I don't really know which one it is either. But, <laughs> we did the same um, thing, yeah. Um, but I do know that in Galatians, it's the one that there was so much sin. And so <laughs> one of the things we talked about is how Paul always opened up his letters with like a greetings and sort of like a blessing. And there was kind of like none of that. He said like grace and peace mm-hmm. to you, um, recognizing that there was so much sin there that there was really nothing positive to be said, um, <laughs> which I mean, of course, there's lots of encouragement as well towards pushing towards the faith, but a lot of like condemnation, and um, oh no, it was in it was in Corinth. The people in Corinth were known for like the temples and like idolatry, so um, I think Galatia was supposed to be. Like, Galatians, they were like super like law focused. Yeah. And like didn't like still were, like arguing over like the big one was circumcision right and right. so and, like yeah. first Corinthians it was sexual immorality yeah. was the big one they were kind of being held to like a higher standard of like the faith because they were claiming to be Christian but still having the debate about whether the Gentiles should be following Jewish law and so all that to say <laughs> um, it's true to say that like you need to hold Christians who claim to be of Christ and walking with the Lord to the standard that they claim to be holding themselves to um, because people outside of the faith who don't claim to be holding themselves to that standard, they don't they don't think that that standard is necessary. And so the main message that should be conveyed to them is the gospel of love and a gospel of salvation and grace for, you know, to be able to come and receive strength from the Lord, mm-hmm. not, you know, hold them to the standards that we find in Scripture, which, again, is not just a set of rules, but just things that display your faith and show that you're walking with the Lord. Yep, definitely. Outward expression. Yeah. An outward change of an inward... Wait, how does it go? Outward expression of inward... Inward change, change. that's it. Yeah. Sanctification. Yep. Big word. <laughs> Define <laughs> sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. There you go. That's good. That's good stuff. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> What's next on your list? Let's, get, the, let's get these topics going. I like this stuff. <laughs> this is good. Scripture memorization, mm. uh, I think like, we've kind of painted it almost in a negative light so far in this podcast. Like, we've talked about it almost like in a condescending way, and I, I don't think that's true at all. Yeah. I just think like, the reasons for like why you do it is much more important. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, a lot of the like struggles were internal instead of like external. It was like like terrible like thoughts of like bad things, and that's what I struggled with. And so, like, I, like, the verse of, like, take every thought captive. Well, like, once you take the thought captive, if you don't have something to replace it with, it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And so, that's what, like, most of my memorization is, is that, like, like I don't necessarily know, like, all of the, like, where exactly all of them are. But I know that, like, 
if like something bad like comes up, I'm confident enough that I'll have like at least some sort of scripture to like replace it with. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, that just comes from like, okay, like what am I struggling with? And what do I need to replace those thoughts with? And then find a verse and then you would commit that to memory. And then like whenever you're struggling or whenever you're like, like about to sin, like that, that verse like will pop up because you have it memorized. Mm -hmm. And even like recently I found myself trying to like memorize simply just to say that I could. And so the chapter, like, I was going to try to memorize all of Isaiah 61, and which is a great chapter talking, like, it's a prophecy about Jesus and then, like, subsequently, like, about us as well. Um, but, like, halfway through it, I kind of was just like, like, why am I doing this? Like, this isn't for, like, like, this isn't for any good. It's for my own pride. And so, like, I had to, like, kind of, like, like, take that to God and then just, like, stop memorizing it right now because like it, it wasn't a healthy place to be in and so like because it wasn't a healthy place even though I was doing something good and memorizing scripture it wasn't it wasn't worth my time because it would have built up my own pride more than it would have helped my actual like faith and Definitely. so mm -hmm. like memorization is very good and it's very helpful um, but it's all like it's all about like why like are you doing it to say that you have 65 verses memorized mm -hmm. or you're doing it so that like in the day of trouble like you can you have a defense like you have like the in the Ephesians 6 like the armor of God the sword is the word truth which is like that's how like we fight Satan it's just with scripture and so is that why you have it memorized or is it just so you like can pass the test class? yes or exactly. For <laughs> or for scholarship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which okay, I honestly like mad respect to anyone that can memorize a, a whole book though. I know. Of the Bible like that. I I couldn't. I don't think I could do it. Like word for word. You get a lot of money for doing it. Huh? <laughs> you said you get a lot of money for doing it here. Is it really a lot? Yeah. So it's, a, it's like at least a few thousand. Well, I think so. The bigger books. Um, let's see. I think Genesis is like seven thousand dollars of scholarship money. But also, like, I don't know how I feel about that because then it's in, it's incentivizing memorizing scripture, like Zivi was saying, for the wrong reason. Like, mm -hmm. you're committing it to memory as if you're listening to a song or watching a movie that you just, like, have off the top of your head. That's not what scripture is about. It's not being able to just rile off just so you can prove that you have a good memory. It's about being able to grow in your faith because of the things that are stored up in your mind, just as Zivi was talking about, and also being able to minister to others I have grown in my faith and been pushed spiritually as a result of people who knew scripture like off the back of their hand. And that's not even a, a matter of having it memorized word for word, but if they can say, you know, so like somewhere in the book it says something like this. But so many different thoughts of knowing exactly what scripture says um, is really encouraging to know that like there's fellow believers who honestly can even hold you accountable in day-to-day -day life and say like, hey, what you're doing or what you're saying isn't, you know, exactly what the Lord wants you because, you know, this passage says this. Um, I don't know, it just shows a deep connection with your faith because it shows that you want that truly embedded in your heart. And also, the more scripture you know, the more the Holy Spirit can use that to be able to guide you in your life because you have those moral convictions because you know exactly what scripture says about the things that you're doing. Also, guiding your decisions. And for me... 
a big thing that I've struggled with is just anxiety and wanting control over like decisions, even just with college and you know the future. And so when I remember verses that say like the Lord has a perfect plan for you if you choose to follow Him and trust Him, just remembering like you can let go. Like it just it just helps the Holy Spirit be able to work in your life. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I was listening to um, it was a it was part of like an excerpt from a, a sermon that John Piper gave. Um, and it was about, it was like six things that he wishes he could do. He would, he would do again if he was in his twenties and like some of them he did do some of them he didn't. But one of the things he said was like prioritize your time with God every day. Um, it, and he basically was saying like, if you have time to eat breakfast, you have time to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Like he said that he has read his Bible more times than he's done. Like so many other things that are like, like normally commonplace. Um, and I thought that was really good because like showing an intentional like desire to like long for God and go after your relationship with him. I mean, that will like, that will strengthen your knowledge of the Bible on its own. You know, you don't need to be reading the Bible just because you know, you want to memorize four chapters or because you want some scholarship money. Mm -hmm. Like you prioritizing your relationship with God, like automatically just, just by like means of like, uh, consistency you'll 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 know more scripture mm-hmm. and you'll be doing it for the right reasons yeah and so i think that that is probably like a huge th- i mean that's just like one of the problems that comes with like a christian school mm-hmm. in general yeah it's just that like you know you have to try and like weave in christianity with your education and so they kind of blend and it, it's hard to like not see the bible as a textbook mm-hmm. yeah so i understand the problem but like at the same time yeah you know, and it's it's pretty like I the sermon from John Piper um, about like reading like every single day is like I, I agree with it, um, but I know like a lot of people like have like struggles with it because they feel like they don't see the growth right away, mm-hmm. um, which is another like uh, idea that I really enjoy of like the the little by little of our faith is that like the growth is not like gonna be like this it's gonna be like you're gonna like take like super small steps like if you like look back at yourself like a year ago from today right like you could see like such a massive difference Mm -hmm. and so like that's like the mark of like your growth Mm -hmm. and it's just really cool because a lot of people struggle with it um and yet it's such a fascinating concept that like our growth is seemingly like super small but yeah like looking back like you realize like how much mm-hmm. like like hindsight like you can see how much like God actually like was teaching you and how like God was moving yeah in your life and like it, it's even like it's even in scripture I think it's like Ezekiel 43 talks about like like water flowing from the temple and it starts as like a little stream and then like they move like a thousand feet and it's up to their ankles and a thousand feet it's like up to their shins and so on and so forth and so like the river is like too too deep and chaotic to like even cross and like alongside the river like where the the water is deeper like the the trees and the plants are flourishing more because there's more water and so like that's how like our faith is is that like starts with like a little little stream but then like slowly but surely like like 10 years from now it could be like a, a mighty river that's just like the, that's one is like that you're super solid in your faith, but then you're also like providing for those around you. Like you're, like your, your faith is letting others flourish, which is 
a big part of our faith. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like it's like the the thing that's like if you get one one percent of growth every day by the, by the end of a year, you'll be three hundred sixty five percent better than you yeah. were before. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, pro, a process. Um, I think you know any athlete will tell you that too. Yeah, it's just like you know you you're not gonna you're not gonna be insanely better just by like a day, a week, or even even six months only of of work. You know, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And so trust the process. Well, and also think about like how we're, you know, called to have the fruit of the spirit and to be able to exhibit those behaviors. If you sit down and you say, I want to exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to exhibit that by tomorrow. Like that's, that's just not yeah. even how it works. Right. And you think about the little by little and how you're gradually becoming more like Christ's sanctification. Um, that's not going to happen overnight. It just simply can't. You can't consciously just like change your behavior all of a sudden on a dime without, I mean, the Lord can work miracles. I'm not saying the Lord can, but you can't. You can't sit down just say, I want to change my behavior and just be completely different tomorrow. That's a gradual process that you have to just pray that the Lord will help you with. You can't do that on your own just to completely flip your personality, let alone, especially in such a short time period, that's something that happens over a process and that the Lord has to be able to bless you with but you know those who ask shall receive um you need to ask god for those things you, you can't just expect that you'll be able to do it on your own and all of a sudden become a better christian and ex- exhibit the fruits of the spirit and just be a better person by tomorrow it's just not how it works yeah and i think like when it comes to like reading scripture too you know it it might even help just to like read a verse or two a day mm-hmm. like just Start really small. focus on like two verses and like how you can apply that to your life in the context, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know don't don't read a whole book in one day, don't yeah. don't try to like do too much because I th- I think you'll get more out of it if you like dissect it mm-hmm. and really like pick apart each passage and be like okay what is happening here and how can I relate it to my life right now. You're also more likely to be consistent if you don't just bite off too big of a yep. piece at a time. Um, I remember when I used to struggle with consistency which I still do if I'm being honest it's it's something I'm always striving towards but back when it was like it would either be completely on or completely off type thing um I would get back from church camp as we were talking about the spiritual highs and I'm like okay I'm gonna do quiet time for 30 minutes I'm gonna or an hour and I'm gonna really like answer these questions and go in depth it's just not it's just not achievable to go from zero to a hundred be like, I went from doing nothing every day to all of a sudden now spending 45 minutes to an hour of my day sitting and reading and studying. You you can't go from zero to hundred like that and expect to maintain that every single day. I'm sure a few people have, and that's so amazing for them. But for me, <laughs> and I'm sure for a lot of others, that's just not attainable. Um, when we started doing the spiritual disciplines assignment, one of the things that I wanted to do was like journaling, but specifically focused on gratitude. So I just wanted to sit down and write out for, I set a timer for like 10 minutes because I knew that if I set like a length or something like that, then I would be less likely to do it. So I said for 10 minutes, I'm just going to write all the things I can think about that I'm thankful for and then conclude with a short prayer. And having such a small goal made me do it. And I actually got a lot of things out of that, but you need to start small or else you're just going to not do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's also, it's also like the best analogy that I've heard is like comparing it to food. 
And so, like, I don't know, like, what I had for dinner, like, two weeks ago. I mean, it was probably Cane's, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> or um, IHOP. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Or like, IHOP. I know that, it, like, it was, like, sustenance, and it, like, got me, like, through the day, and it made me feel better. Hmm. And so, it's kind of, like, similar to, like, how, like, we read. It's, like, I don't, I don't necessarily, like, remember every single time that I've read the Bible, but I know that the Word of God never returns void, and so I know that it it helped me in some way, shape, or form. But then there's also, like, if I go to, like, a really nice meal, like, I remember, like, I went and got, like, hibachi last week, and, like, I remember that because it's great food. <laughs> and so, like, I, I, there's also times where, like, I'm, like, reading the Bible, and, like, I can still, like, remember it because it was, like, that good and, that, mm-hmm. like, that life-changing um, that I just, like, it stuck with me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I've noticed that too, is that, you know, reading scripture, if, even if I don't remember everything from it or even like at the front of my mind, I'm not thinking about it, but then something will happen in my day. And then that piece of scripture will pop back up in my head mm-hmm. and be like, Oh man, I read about this today. How can, how can I like use that? And, um, I don't know. I think it's cool just to see that it's like, even if it's not on the forefront of your mind, it's there. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you said, you know, maybe you don't remember exactly where it was, but like when something happens, trouble comes your way, like you'll be able to like pull out something mm-hmm. that can help you through that from the Bible. And so yeah. I think it's, it's pretty cool to see, see the, the difference. Mm-hmm. But, but It's cool how the really, Lord can use um, times when you don't even really recognize the significance of what you're reading and studying at the moment. Um, and then later on, it's almost like a weird deja vu moment where you like feel like you experience it and you realize like you just read about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just really cool how the Lord can like prep you for things you're about to experience. And that's not even, that applies to hardships in life, but also sometimes not. Like sometimes you'll just be having a discussion with someone and it'll come to mind out of nowhere. You're like, I just read about this. This is really cool. And so then you can use the things that you just read about, which, you know, sometimes it's not always that super life-changing experience. Not that it's good and not that all scripture is God-breathed and amazing to read, but <laughs> not saying anything bad about scripture itself. Just you don't really recognize the significance of the passage that you're reading until, you know, like maybe a few days later, the Lord was just prepping you for a conversation to be able to witness for him better, which is like really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I would also say that like with, like the more and more you like study the Bible, there's so many like different facets of God that like you get to like learn about. And so like for me in my life, I never really understood like God as like a comforter. Um, and it talks about it in like Second Corinthians 1, like God of all comfort. And it's like, well, like these people were getting like persecuted and like beaten and killed. And it's like, yeah. I'm living in the suburbs of Texas. Like I, I don't like really like relate to it. But then like whenever like something bad happens it's like even though it's like i'm not getting killed for my faith right like there's still like hardships and stuff mm-hmm. i get to like kind of like go back to that and like go back to second corinthians be like like out of all comfort like i get to like lean into the comfort of that even if it like may seem small and there's just so many different like almost like sides of god that like we get to like learn about through scripture that otherwise like we would just like not have because our our view of God is so small yeah like it's just like ever expanding it through scripture exactly Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I want to ask you guys this might be off topic a little bit but (laughs) what what do you think about 
because I saw this TikTok the other day, <laughs> and and this is always the problem. It's it's like the it's it's the Christian TikTok, and this atheist this atheist was saying, um, you know, like one of the reasons why she left the church was because her pastor like told her that you know, unreached people groups and stuff like that who've never heard the gospel. She's like dancing. Wait, no, keep talking about it because I I don't have TikTok. Basically, she was saying like her pastor told her that those people are going to hell because they've never heard the gospel and that's just too bad. And so that's why she left because she was like, well, that doesn't sound like very loving. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think that there's any grace for anyone who has not, has not been able to receive the gospel? I think so. I, I, I really do. I think that like, the argument that I've heard is like they'll know like through creation and mm-hmm. stuff. Natural yes. revelation. Come on, like you're not gonna like be born in the Amazon rainforest, yeah, like, see like a few yeah. trees, and be like, oh, Jesus Christ died for my yeah, sins. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, like, and like I will say, like you do hear a lot of stories about like people having visions and like people like like receiving the gospel like through supernatural means in those unreached places. Um, which is really like those stories are always like encouraging and like build up faith but i mean i just i think that there's there's more grace than we know um and i I, it's also like the same argument with like like a one-year-old child predestination like like what is like does that child just go to hell because he died whenever he was one i i don't think so i think that there's grace i think that like god wants God wants heaven to be filled, like with His His people, and so I I do think that there is, like there there's something like I like I don't necessarily know the answer, but I know enough about God to know that He's not just gonna be like hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to have this conversation, and um, we would talk about it in I think oh, systematic theology is when we talk about it. Um, and we talk about predestination and free will, which is a really loaded topic, which I don't know if we want to get into all that. Um, <laughs> sure. But, do it. okay, well, from what I was taught, and um, I'm not encouraging just blindly believing what you're taught, but also through my own study, I believe that there's a balance between predestination and free will. It's not just one or the other. Um, but because we're limited in our knowledge, we can't really fully grasp how those two things would go hand in hand, how God could know who's going to heaven and hell and how that would not impact our decisions. I don't know. It's a really hard concept to grasp, but I do know that we freely choose to follow God, but he chooses us first. It's a really weird thing and it's hard to grasp. And, you know, when non-believers ask about this, it's, it's simply one of those things where you say, you just kind of have to admit ignorance and say, this is what I've studied and believe to be true, but I don't really know because I can't fully grasp it. In relation to predestination, you know, God choosing, we talked about, you know, um, like an infant who dies before they can speak, before they can understand, and they don't know anything about scripture. Um, there's like an element of predestination which God, through his grace, has chosen people to be saved because, as he was saying, he wants his kingdom to be filled And so I think that for people that are completely unreached by the gospel, not they heard it a little bit and rejected it, but completely unreached, there's an element of grace there because of predestination, God choosing people to be able to fill his kingdom. But 
I know that even among Christian circles, people disagree. So if you disagree, that is totally fine. I think I also like to think about it like, you know, prior to like the medieval times, like we didn't even have a written Bible. Like Europeans didn't even have a written Bible. And so you're going to tell me that like all those people went to hell. Like just because you don't have a physical Bible and you can't receive scripture, I don't think that that precludes you from God's grace in that sense. Especially because, I don't know if this is the same verse, but like the Bible talks about how, you know, there, there are ways to receive Christ without the Bible and without knowing necessarily exactly, you know, who Jesus Christ was and, you know, he died for my sins and all this stuff, like how we are given it today. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there would be necessarily a, uh, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't think there's, there's like ways, like, I don't think it's like a, you know, you have to receive Christ this way and that's the only way that you can be saved. And therefore, if you don't, you're going to hell. Like, I don't believe that. Yeah. And there's just like, there's so much that like, we just are unable to know. It's not that like yep. we don't know. Right. Like yeah. We are unable to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so kind of with questions like that, it's, it's easy to like hear that and just like kind of like almost like question everything you've ever been taught instead of like, okay, you hear that and it's like, well, okay, you don't know the answer to that, but like, you know, the characteristics of God, like, you know, his, he loves justice and he has perfect justice, like better than ours. Like he's, he's gracious, he's kind, he's loving, like he's all these things. And so like, I know I might not know the answer, but like I know who does know the answer and I, I mm-hmm. fully trust that whatever is right and whatever is perfect, he will do. And so, but obviously to a non-believer, that's a pretty terrible answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I struggle with that too because, um, there's a lot of things that we can answer, but then there's also other things where it's like, you know, you can only answer with, well, he's God. Mm-hmm. And that's so You can't sell that to somebody who doesn't yeah. believe in God. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, we started with grace and now we're talking about legalism, but like, I don't, I don't know how to answer some questions mm-hmm. because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, the only way I can is with something outside of my own yeah. capabilities. It's kind of like saying the Bible's reliable because the Bible says so. <laughs> there, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of circular arguments in Christianity that can't be avoided, but when you sort of break down any religion there's always circularity anything you believe there's some realm of circularity because you appeal to a higher power till you get to a point where you're like okay there's no higher power in our case our higher power is god once you get to god there's nothing above god everything kind of goes back to god um but i think people are quick to point out the circularity in christianity and fail to realize that there's circularity in everything because we're not omniscient we don't know everything no human knows everything. And so whether you believe in God or whether you don't, there's some circular argument that appeals to a higher power at some level. So even though Christianity is circular, in some regards, that it doesn't mean that you're going to find any argument that is not circular in some sense. It's, I, it's I, yeah. unavoidable. And I, I would say Christianity probably has some of the least amount of... I, like I, everything I, we know... I, Especially atheism, and this might ruffle some feathers. I'm not usually that controversial on this podcast, but these last two episodes I will be, and I'll die <laughs> on that hill. But uh, like atheism has some of the biggest holes I've seen in any worldview. Yeah, me too. Uh, because atheism will, like, if I try to say, well, you know, my morality comes from a higher power, and that's why I think killing people is wrong. Mm-hmm. And and the atheist will say, well, no, I think killing people is wrong because I said so. And, and these structures that I have laid out, they're human structures. 
but they're right. Mm-hmm. So, it, but that's like, it's literally atheists saying that, you know, my imperfect mind and my random collection of cells has somehow created the only, the only way that, that the only truth, right? Like, like, I don't know how to describe this other than, uh, other than, you know, an imperfect and flawed person has the answers to the universe with like no flaws. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, like C.S. Lewis talked about it in Mere Christianity, I believe, of like kind of the argument of like a moral standard. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to try and say his argument because he's <laughs> much smarter and better. And it's been like two years since I've read it. Yeah. But I know that he talks about it in the book and it was very well written and like well thought out. And so mm-hmm. people listening, go, go read your Christianity. <laughs> yeah. There's also a book that we read in philosophy. Again, this was two years ago. This is my junior year. But it was a book called Relativism and just breaking down moral relativism. And basically our society right now currently holds to a view of relativism saying that like your truth is your truth, um, which I won't really get into that. But the point is that if you take relativism to the furthest extreme, there's absolutely nothing stopping you from doing whatever you want in this life. And no one can say that you're wrong. So um, one of the things that the relativism relativism book talked about is like, okay, well, what makes you not murder the person right next to you? Um, and they're like, because I don't want to. And it's like, okay, but why do you not want to? And it, it just crumbles instantly that there's no morality if you say that it's all completely based within you. Because if you wake up and have a bad day and want to kill someone, what's stopping you from doing that if you're in that type of society? Like, we have rules and laws and regulations, which they pulled from somewhere. Like, the law that tells us to not murder each other and how you get put in prison if you murder is based off of morality, which people fail to realize is, you know, God-given. We have this embedded sense of morality for a reason because, you know... We're, we're not self-sufficient and we're sinful. And if everyone just acted on their sinful tendencies, then our world would be absolute chaos. There's rules and things for a reason and relativism just breaks down instantly. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's lot, absolutely but... <laughs> right. Which would be actually in the best interest of, you know, if, if you go to a, a, a Darwinic society and, you know, natural selection, the best of us will survive and the weakest of us will die off. Mm-hmm then it is in my best interest to kill you mm-hmm. because you are weaker than me and you're in my way. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is, I should be doing everything that I can do to make sure that you do not get in my way. And especially like when it comes to like money and things like that, like as an atheist, like if I was an atheist, like why would I not go out and just live for the world? Like, I mean, if this is, if this is the stopping point, if this is the, where the train stops, then I want to do everything I can to make sure that I live the most glamorous, self-centered life possible. It's also like I, it's so, so hopeless. Like, oh, it's horrible. Atheist. Like at, like in at the summit uh, like camp thing, mm-hmm. like people were like like we were having this discussion of like, is it like like is it better for someone to be like an atheistic or like a Buddhist? And like people were saying like an atheist. I was like, that's so hopeless. Yeah. Like, no. Like no, no at way. At least have some sort of hope. Don't just like assume that like it all ends because, right? Like, like I don't. I feel like it's better to have hope and maybe be wrong about the hope, than just to be like mm-hmm. have no hope. Because then like no matter what, it's like a lose lose, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if Christianity like isn't right, like 
like I, I still like had hope my entire life and I'm still like happy with the life that I lived. Whereas if I was an atheist, dude, like what, like I wouldn't, I would be like the worst of the worst. Like there's no reason mm-hmm. to not. Yeah. And there's really no reason to care about anybody or anything. Yeah, right. I always think it's funny that these secular groups that claim to care about human rights and you notice this and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to get into detail, but I will say that, you know, the majority of these like quote unquote human rights advocate groups, the ones who are fighting for justice are also the ones that don't have a definition of justice yeah. mm-hmm. because why should you care about someone? Else? Why should you care about the poor? Why should you care about those who are hurting? Why should you care about those who have inequity when, when, you know, people having inequity is exactly what makes your system work, right? Like, like as an atheist, you rely on people to be weaker than you because it helps you mm-hmm. because it's, it's a self-centered, it's a, it's a very selfish way to live, but it's how you live. So why do you care about other people? I don't understand. I just, I will never understand that because no one can answer it. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only way, I mean, I guess you're right. Like the only way I can get there is by saying, oh, well, God created morality. Mm-hmm. But that's better than atheists who just say we created morality. But why should you be the standard of morality? Because you're an imperfect person. So why should I listen to your standard? Yeah. Well, yeah. And also, thank goodness that I'm not the creator of morality. We're all yeah. sinful. We're all fallen. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, as a follower of Christ, thank goodness that I'm not setting the standard of morality. No person on this earth is perfect enough and holy enough because we're all sinful, we're all broken, to set a standard of morality. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that it's God who created all things and knows all things and has a, you know, has a perfect plan. I wouldn't want anyone else setting a standard of morality that we try to abide by, which obviously we're not perfect. We don't abide by it perfectly, but thank goodness that it's God. Like I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot more hopeful to recognize that the standard that we're trying to live by is set by a perfect God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I forget who it was. I don't know if it's as far back as Darwin, but I think, I think Richard Dawkins will concede this and he'll say, you know, yeah, like, I, I cannot tell you that your way of life is wrong because it would be inconsistent with my theology or with my worldview, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't tell you not to murder somebody because if you think in your heart of hearts that that's right, then, you know, that's your, that's your standard of morality. So like you have to concede that as an atheist. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't say that you're, that there's an objective standard of morality when you yourself don't believe it. So I, I also, it's, it's also funny to me when atheists, like, like every worldview has a starting point, mm-hmm. even atheism and their starting point just happens to be poof, something happened. Whereas like, doesn't it make more sense that like someone who is, who is omniscient and more like greater than you, greater than you and I created st- stuff mm-hmm. and, and has a perfect plan rather than poof, something happened one day. Like what takes more faith? I think it's, it's much easier to believe in a God than it does to believe in the Big Bang, there's, for sure. There's this like group on, on YouTube, I think, it's called like Cross-Examine, and they literally have like a whole series on like apologetic stuff called like, I don't have the faith to be an atheist. Yeah. And I've listened to like a few of them, and like, I, I agree, like I just, I feel like I couldn't, like even if like, I wasn't raised in like the Christian environment, I still feel like I wouldn't choose something over atheism definitely mm-hmm. even if it's agnosticism like even if it's 
just like if there's like a higher power I'm just like not sure what it is like even like that it's better just there's nothing yeah for sure definitely well I, I got like 10 to 20 more minutes before I need to wrap it up <laughs> so you got you got anything else for us let's let's rapid fire okay we can we can switch topics this is going like way back to the beginning uh, but something that like I realized from like being in Texas is how much like like how much my like godly friendships are like play in my life and how like they're not like really here yet because of time and so it's not mm-hmm. it's not a fair comparison at all but it's still a comparison that like I subconsciously make and so like I don't know just like talking about like godly relationships in general like with people of the same gender not like godly relationships like a dating thing but like mm-hmm. godly relationships of like like two people of the same gender like just like doing life together and doing everything together like I, I want that here but there just hasn't been enough time yet and it's been something that I've struggled with a little bit because it's really like discouraging to like walk through it and like like the like my best friend from like home like I met him in like fifth grade he like he's the reason that I'm a Christian and like we're still like best friends and so like we have this like shared Google Doc that like we both like can like type on and add That's to cool. it just about like anything that, like whether like, we're going through or something that we learned or like something that like we read like we just talk about anything and like we each like have it and it's just like our, all of our thoughts like no filter like just like here's what it actually is and it's upsetting because I don't necessarily have that here yet mm-hmm. and it's just it's a little it's a little rough right now but mm-hmm. with time obviously it's just hard yeah. to give it time <laughs> sometimes like you want that fulfillment now um, which again like there's really nothing you can do about that that just happens from building community with people but those types of relationships really fill you up and when you leave home and are making new friends you're being filled up in different ways but not in that like deep spiritual way of someone holding you accountable and pushing you towards the things that you know to be true and want mm-hmm. to be true in your life yeah no I agree I agree completely and I, th- I think for me when it when I came to school um, like subcon I don't think it like I knew it but I did I, I knew it but I didn't know it kind of thing like subconsciously my relationships and my drive for like community was very much a surface level um, like desire and, and I don't know why really because I came here for a reason and, and the reason was because I wanted to build a deeper community with people who were like-minded but regardless I think my like just in an effort to make as many friends as possible and like have the best time possible it it, it rendered a lot of my relationships sort of surface level mm-hmm. And I think a few weeks ago, I, I really realized that. And it was like, wow. Like some of the people that I hang out with um, or some of the people that I'm like pushing my focus toward are not good for me. And not even that they're bad for me, but it's just like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like I'm friends with you for what reason? Because it's convenient, you know? And, and, and I think um, like in our room, like my my, my apartment, like we've had a lot of really good conversations and it's been really good to kind of, um, grow on a deeper level, but we still haven't had, I don't think as deep as I, I it could be. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think I've tried to make that a bigger emphasis now the last few weeks is like prioritize spending time with people who are going to not only invest in me, but also like 
invest in the things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It was just uh, something that I realized that that I think is important and mm-hmm. something that I, I guess, struggled with and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would I would agree. My like so like the people that I live with, I haven't necessarily had as like a deep of conversations. Maybe like like one or two mm-hmm. um, here and there. Um, but like for the most part, like like some of like the deep conversations that I have had, they just kind of they almost they just like aren't as filling. And I don't necessarily know why. Like I don't know if like it could be like on me. Like it could be that like, I'm like putting up a a wall of like not wanting change and like wanting to go back to like the high school relationships that I had because of like how much like how like good they were and so maybe it's on me maybe I'm being like ignorant and like not um, like letting those relationships grow Um, but there's also it feels like there's like a lack of investment from other people Mm -hmm. as well like I I feel like the the CCU community kind of got overhyped by like previews and stuff like that yeah. that like now that I'm here it's kind of just like oh yeah we're all just kind of mm-hmm. we're all just kind of here mm. also like being known is being loved and so it's hard to like feel loved by people that you're in, like trying to build friendships with like I'm like if we're still talking about like same sex just like you know when you're trying to build relationships for me with girls like I want to be known by people so like you can love people best when you know them best and so like it's hard when you're not getting to know people on like a deeper level, like you get to know like random facts about them, but it it's, you need to be able to know people in order to love people. And so there's, I feel like sometimes a lack of intentionality in like knowing what makes people them. And that's not like the fun facts. That's like, what's your story? What's your testimony? And how can I love you better because of that? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Again, that just takes time. And also you have to, on like the flip side of that though, you don't really want to sit down with someone you just met and be like, here's my life story. Mm-hmm. So that's like something that takes time to be able to discern at what point you start to share those types of things with others in order to like know them and for them to know you. So there's like a, a balance of that of saying like you don't want to just jump right in and be like extremely vulnerable with people. There's discernment in that. But also it's hard to like truly build relationships and and be fulfilled in that way without knowing them. I mean, you can, but people are, I mean, everyone is different and people need to be loved in different ways. So yeah, there's discernment in that between knowing at what point you should be vulnerable and at what point you should sort of, you know, decide if someone has your best interest at heart. Um, But, you know, as a Christian, I think we should always be seeking to love people better and that's through knowing people better yeah and i will play devil's advocate to your point just for once on this podcast you know disagree (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) um because i think that like community especially in college is something that you have to build Mm -hmm. and it's something that like the entire college has to has to contribute to Mm -hmm. it's not just something where it's like it's going to be given to you yeah where you're going to come here and you're just going to all of a sudden feel it Right. It's got to be something that you contribute to as well. I'm not saying you don't, but like the people you're around also have to, you know, that's totally on them as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like anyone that you're around that is not contributing to that community is not contributing to the community. Right. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Like it's, there's a level of like personal responsibility that each person needs to take on. 
mm-hmm. each person needs to help build for the next generation, for the next classes coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, I'll say that um, something at my high school that, that we really prided ourselves on was that we were different than other schools. And, you know, for being a public university, being a public high school, like we had cultures and standards and traditions that other high schools didn't have. And people noticed that. And it was, you know, we held the door for people going into classes and we, we did stuff like that. And I noticed the last like one or two years of my time there, like it started to wane off a little bit. I think when COVID hit, it started to die off and that culture wasn't being cultivated anymore. And, um, as much as it was like for my brother's classes and stuff. And that's like unfortunate, but it's something that like people have to contribute to and work at in order for it to continue being that way. Yeah. So I, I think it, it definitely comes down to like other people needing to put forward the same effort that you want to see. Yeah. And I think like to that point, so I'm a very introverted person. I mean, you can probably tell there are times where I, like I'm very quiet. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just like leave if I'm like tired. And so like, like it's been like rough for me to like actually like go and like be social as mm-hmm. much as I have been. Um, which like that part I've been able to push through, but there definitely has been, like I'll admit this, there has been like a lack of like, like, like leaders, like they like go first and they, they like, they do things that like other people necessarily don't want to do first. And so kind of throughout, like throughout high school, like my last two years, um, like our spiritual life team, what they said was like, like vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And so I necessarily, I probably haven't been the best at like being vulnerable with people and like just being open with people. I mean, a lot of my relationships are built around spike ball. And so <laughs> like there does need to be like the more like, um, like more like, like vulnerable, like deep conversations because they like, it just kind of needs to be on me to like start them. And then also like with your point, like we get to like as like in our position, like we get to create a culture that we would want to be a part of. And so I also haven't necessarily done that the best because I don't want my culture to just be spike ball. Mm-hmm. I, I want like actual like healthy, like deep relationships. And so it definitely partly is on me and like not going first. And I think that like, like once someone takes the first step, it'll be a lot easier. Definitely. It's just kind of getting it through like a mental block of like mm-hmm. taking the first step. Definitely. <clears throat> and I think spike ball is a good avenue though, because mm-hmm. you can use that to like help open the door to a deeper relationship, yeah. you know, with the people that you play with. So, um, I just feel like that's a huge thing, maybe just for freshmen. Cause I, I think the upperclassmen do a pretty good job of this where they have pretty deep circles of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if maybe it just doesn't extend as far down as freshmen, but I think within the freshman class, like people, I feel like and myself included, cause I've caught myself doing this too, where it's been a very much like a get through school type of thing mm-hmm. where it's like pass my classes, get in, get out. Um, but you know, like anything, you know, you get in what you put out or <laughs> wait, yeah, get out, you what, get you out what you put in. That's what I have to say. Um, so with that, I think you need to like people, like the whole class just needs to just needs to invest in each other. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, because that's how you build community. I've been struggling with that with like story time, how, um, story time was meant to be for our pod, like sharing our testimonies. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to that. I loved hearing people's testimonies. Um, and so, like, when we didn't really do that, and also no one really goes, 
that was really discouraging for me because I was like, these girls were kind of supposed to be, you know, like my community, like mm. not, not the whole group. Like it's not going to be like there are every single one, my best friend that checks in on me and invests in me. But um, I think that there's a lot of things in place that are meant to do that for us. And people just have walls up that, you know, D groups and um, story time and things like that. But, you know, I, everyone's always hesitant to be the first one, but I will say that like, it's also hard when like you do choose to be vulnerable a little bit and it's not reciprocated. It's like very discouraging to kind of be like, okay, I tried and now like now what? So that, that happens too. And so like just trying to navigate people who are willing to invest in you at that level is like a little tricky, but I think that's just a learning curve. I just wasn't really thinking about when coming here. Um, I was like so excited for so many different reasons and just didn't really process what that would mean in terms of like deep relationship building. So I think just like if I would have prepared myself more, it would have been fine, but it's just like, I didn't really expect to kind of have to have such a learning curve, you know, where it's almost November and we're still kind of saying like, okay, who are we willing to be vulnerable with and who, who can help build us up? Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I think again, like I think the upperclassmen sort of understand that, Mm -hmm. I guess more than we do. And it makes sense because they've been here, but like, I also was just sort of thinking that it would be, um, it would just be like a quicker process, I guess. Yeah. But I think that's life. And I think in the grand scheme of things, like, two, three months is really not that long. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, especially when it comes to relationships. But then at the same time, it's like you live with these people so that, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> time so should you, like, be a lot more be, condensed. You, like, want to be known by the people you're living with exactly. and sharing, yep. like, doing everyday life with. But, but the, I mean, this happened with, um, obviously, this is a completely different type of relationship. But when it comes to, like, dating and, like, how I was talking to upperclassmen and upperclassmen were like, you know, you have like a lot of time, like this is not something that like anyone should be like too concerned about. Like it's only the first half of your freshman year kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if you can apply that to probably not, but <laughs> I, I think you, you, you know, you could take some of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I, yeah. There, some of it for sure. There shouldn't be pressure to like find like a friend group that you're going to be with yeah. for four years. Yep. Like I think, first yeah. semester. It's just like, because there is a lot of like, what the heck is going on? It just makes it more, more difficult in the moment. And I'm sure we're gonna look back and forth and be like, yeah, you guys were overreacting, like you were mm-hmm. fine. Yep. But just like in the moment, it is kind of difficult to, to see the the bigger perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then and then people complain about things like, and I I myself have complained about it. You know, like things like required things like D groups yeah. and extra credit chapels and things that we have to go to. But like at the same time, like that's sort of the school trying to trying to cultivate more of a deeper connection mm-hmm. with people. Some of that stuff just can't be forced though. That's the yep. thing. Like, exactly. Um, you can put us in the same room all you want, but that doesn't necessarily cultivate the relationship. We almost mm-hmm. have to choose to be in the room together yeah. and say like, okay, let's sit down and talk. I think sometimes forcing it builds walls because you say like, I'm here cause I have to be, mm. um, there you I go. don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I see a lot of positives and I also see like some mm-hmm. potential negatives. So, but that's that's life. There's positive and negatives to everything, and I I don't know that I think things should necessarily be done differently. I just 
I just think that like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Yeah, the biggest one is whenever like we had to like share our testimonies for FYI. Oh, okay. We got split yeah. up into groups. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was just like 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 one two three four one two three four. Ours was kind of done way, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And like my group, this is pretty bad. But like three of the girls, I didn't know their names because they don't speak in class, mm-hmm. and I don't see them outside of class. And like we like introduced ourselves like day one, and that was it. And so like some of these people I like never heard speak before, and then it's like oh. <laughs> telling me your life story yeah, yeah that sucks cool. that's a bummer ours was very ours was like the entire class and our FYI said okay you know those of you that want to share and feel called to share a testimony then you know feel free to do so not everyone has to it's not required you know some people don't feel comfortable some people have a lot of trauma and that's fine but it was like we didn't break up into groups or anything it was just like to the whole class yeah, so that, that's what I would have preferred Mm-hmm. We we broke up in groups, but it actually wasn't counting. I, I said same, but it wasn't the same. We we did break up into groups though. Um so like my group was just a group of girls that I sit with in FYI. And so that was good. But you could tell we all still kind of like were picking and choosing. Also because we had like a really weird time constraint when we did it mm. where there were six of us, which was bigger than the group was supposed to be, but it just kinda like worked out that way. We only have like 25 minutes, so we're all like, okay, here's some highlights. <laughs> yep. But um, yeah, I don't know. When it's forced and split up by numbers by with people you, you don't know, it's not achieving the goal that it's meant mm-hmm. to achieve. Your testimony is supposed to you know, speak to what God has done in your life and to be able to encourage others and people that you love and say, like, I've struggled, but this is how you know, the Lord has changed my life and how he can like, work in your life, too, if you haven't really felt that yet. Um, but if you make it corporate and make it like a business transaction, then it doesn't quite accomplish the purpose that it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Got anything else? <laughs> I don't. At least not off the top of my head. I always do this. Every time we record, um, at, like after the episode, I'm always like, oh man, I should have asked him this or I should have like talked okay, about this. Part three. <laughs> if anything comes up, I will text you and we'll, we'll just record it right then and there. <laughs> Sounds good. So, We're yeah. like sleeping. We like get a call and it's like, I just thought of something. Like, Meet me in Rockmont yeah, right now. Get over here right now. We're doing this. <laughs> um, that's funny though because usually I'm the one that usually asks the guests like anything else, but thank you for asking. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I guess... You already plugged your socials last time. So we'll just put the same ones in there for, for yeah. this week. Um, Hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you want to add a new one in there. Oh, no. <laughs> put your Twitter, your MySpace, Facebook. Anything else? Add okay. Blackboard. Blackboard. <laughs> yeah, put in your school email. <laughs> we'll link that below. Oh my gosh. That's great. Well, thank you guys for coming on, doing part two. Um, Really love the conversation. It was really good. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it. Um, I'm your host, Ethan, and we'll see you guys hopefully next week, but next time for sure. Thanks for listening to The Think Tank. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a five-star review. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can email Chase and Ethan at thethinktankcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thinktank.pod or on TikTok at thinktankpodcast. The music of Think Tank Podcast is recorded and produced by Corbin Finn.